Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Just wanted to take a brief moment to give you guys a little idea how we do it here at Paddle and Fin Podcast. We use the Anchor.fm recording platform. Super easy, distributes our podcast to many, many different platforms. There's creation tools to allow you to record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. Check out anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app to get started. This segment is brought to you by Jigmaster Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and use promo code PNF20 and save 20% off your next jig order today. Welcome to the Paddle and Fan Podcast, the Bass Fishing for Noobs segment, where we try to improve our skills as an angler by learning new techniques or improving the ones we already know. I'm your host, Ryan Milford. Pal and Finn uh, podcast. This is the Bass Fishing for Noobs segment. Uh, I'm your host, Sean Lavery. With me, as always, is my co-host, Ryan Milford. How's it What's going, it? Ryan? What's going on, man? Not much. Uh, we have a cool guest tonight. Uh, we were able to track down Jeff Little, who uh, has uh, quite a varied history with kayak fishing. And um, uh, we'll let Jeff tell you a little bit about himself and... Uh, all the different things that he's done. He's, he has quite a history. So Jeff, welcome to the show, man. Uh, I know Thanks you've been on, uh, on Pal and Finn before, but, uh, first time on, uh, the best fishing for noob segment. So welcome. Thanks for having me. No problem, man. Yeah. What, why don't you go ahead and, uh, for people that don't know who you are, introduce yourself, what you do, what you've done. You know, like we kind of went over it a little bit. You're kind of like an OG kayak fisherman. So, so it's pretty interesting to see how you've seen it evolved over the years. But yeah, go ahead and introduce yourself and all that good stuff. So I grew up fishing the um, the Upper Potomac River, uh, not far from D.C. I grew up in in Rockville, Maryland, and anywhere between Swains Lock uh, was the closest place I could bike to as a kid um, on up to Brunswick, Maryland. Uh, that was my um, my home water as a kid. And once I got my driver's license and was on up into Washington County in the upper upper portions of the Potomac doing some smallmouth fishing, staying out all night, soaking chicken livers for, you know, for channel cats, um, that kind of stuff. Um, went to the New- University of Maryland and soon after I graduated in 98, 
um, I was doing a lot of float trips with my buddies. Um, we go out and, and camp on islands, and uh, I started going out on my own a lot, doing more more smallmouth than than catfishing, and uh, I just got tired of being blown around in a 17 foot aluminum Grumman canoe on windy days. And I said, "There's got to be a better way." And uh, you know, the, a really windy uh, March day where I couldn't even paddle downstream um, kind of put the idea in my head. I bet a kayak would work. So late nineties, I just, I, you know, I bought a, uh, it was an old town predator loon one thirty eight and started fishing out of it. Um, flipped it in some white water, lost, uh, lost a bunch of gear, um, mm. lost a lot of, you know, um, I got good and hypothermic, you know, I was wearing a hooded sweatshirt and a pair of jeans, and, you know, did everything wrong, but I popped up with this, resolve to i i need to um i need an education i need to do this right and and i knew i wasn't i was just you know there was no roadmap for how to fish out of a kayak but i said well what is out there is is white water paddling and i know you can take classes and i i i got in a different boat it was a um it was a perception access it was one that actually has a skirt and you get down inside of it and you can do rolls with it and you know i did swift water rescue classes beginning whitewater intermediate whitewater uh eventually i earned uh, american canoe association certification as a paddling instructor um so i got i got good at whitewater and i got i was busy with the uh Potomac River Smallmouth Club as the trip coordinator and eventually was president of that organization. Um, but I did a lot of trips and I did a lot of exploring uh, from as far north as New York State. Um, we we did a lot in, we did the Allegheny in Pennsylvania even before it dips up into New York, but as far south as um, some of the Tennessee Valley drainages uh in in southwest virginia so a lot of exploring and and finding new water um but with the american canoe association um certification i i started a a business called blue ridge kayak fishing and i taught uh kayak fishing skills to to would-be kayak anglers when when it wasn't even you know when you'd say kayak fishing Back then, people looked at you like, "What are you talking about? Like, you, you know, you, you're, you're yeah. what in the kayak?" You know. Um, but I did ten years of of teaching people uh, paddling skills, um, whitewater skills, really, um, ferrying, eddy turns, peelouts, um, how to, you know, really simple things too. Like if you if you drift downstream and you're, you know, here's a rock. Here's the current, and as you as you drift into it, it's it's intuitive that you see the rock as the hazard, and you lean away from it, and that's the wrong thing because that's when you flip this way. Um, you have to you have to train people doing the rock broach uh, drill. And here's the rock; the current's drifting you into it, and I actually have them look away so they don't see it coming, and just feel it, and then you lean into it. And the current hits hits the bottom and rolls under, and then you can put your hands on it and push off, and and you and you get around it without flipping. Um, 
simple things like that that you're not going to um, you're going to get wrong the first time unless somebody does a drill with you to teach yourself the the reaction, the muscle memory, the what it feels like to hit something sideways and what it feels like to have all the water pile up on the, the upstream side and try to flip you. Um, so I did 10 years of, of teaching people, like just going out on the weekends and, you know, I had a pretty good business role in there. Um, it was part guided kayak fishing trip, but it was, it was definitely fast. Like I wore people out. Um, people referred to it as kayak fishing boot camp. Um, and I know that that Juan Verut kind of picked up the uh, that that you know uh, title of of a class, and and he kept going. So about the time that Juan was thinking about um, about doing that, he he came to me and he was like, "Hey man, I love what you're doing. Uh, I think it's great for the sport. I think it's you're you're doing a great service to people. Uh, but I don't want to step on your toes, and I don't want to be running." You know, I, I want to do what you're doing, but I don't want to, he didn't want to piss me off, basically. <laughs> uh, and and I, was, I was at a point in my career where I had changed jobs. I was working at a nursing home, uh, running the kitchen. Um, I, have a, I have a nutrition degree from University of Maryland, and I, and I switched from one place, you know, one facility was very stable to one that was chaotic. And it was a... Um, it was a hostile takeover. It was a lot of, you know, me doing a lot of the work and, and firing people and training people the next morning. Um, and I couldn't, I couldn't continue on as a, as a kayak fishing guide because I couldn't be counted to be there, you know, at the ramp where I said I'd be at 7 a.m. to do the class. So at that point, I, I kind of gave up on the, on doing it, but I loved the, I really loved the um, teaching people you know, in, in kayak fishing was getting some traction. So that's when I started teaching um, these things right here, the video cameras. You know, I started before Yak Attack had their, their boom stick or any of that. I was, you know, going to Ritz Camera and buying, um, you know, monopods and, and putting a lot of pool noodles and duct tape on them to make it work. <laughs> and it, it, it really... You know, really starting in 2009, that's when I started producing content. Um, 2010, 2011, somewhere in that frame, that period of time, I did a, um, I produced four DVDs. And the the first one, uh, if if there's something that, that you know, you're, your view is one thing that your viewers can take out of it, but is to is to watch my first DVD. And I'm not selling them anymore. I just give them away. If I if you know, it's funny. I go to outdoor shows and I say, "Do you own a DVD player?" You know, and people are like, "Yeah, maybe." I think my laptop does, or my Xbox will play it. But you know, it's all on YouTube. So um, if you go to to my YouTube channel, it's called The Little Stuff. And if you type in um, river kayak fishing skills DVD, um, that has so much of that that paddling skill knowledge uh, that is is pretty critical. Um, it's not just paddling skills; it's logistics. It's uh, knowing how to set up a float trip, knowing how to research a a uh, an area before you fish it, uh, knowing how to do forage assessment. 
like really look at you know start flipping rocks and you know kick around in the grass and and see what you can pull up to know you know what is the what's the bug life there what is the you know invertebrate you know uh, type forage species that are there what what kind of bait fish are they going to be eating um, those are the kind of things that I was I was teaching in a kayak fishing class uh, as well as stealth approaches you know and maintaining boat position a lot of these these you know fishing skills uh, in addition to the paddling skills so that DVD you know I think it's an hour and 20 minutes or something is uh, is a really good primer for anyone getting new get getting into to kayak fishing to uh to learn some skills that uh that'll hopefully keep them safe in in moving water in particular so but from there i i moved on to um two and a half years ago i got a, a job with torquedo and i'd been using their motors um for you know i think four or five years prior to that and uh that that um tool unlocks a ridiculous amount of ability uh with the kayak as a as a as a tool um i'll give you for instance um tomorrow morning i'm meeting marty mood uh who's uh who's he was one of the i think i think he's the first one to win the uh hobie worlds um and he's he's been in the navy and, he, and i've i've fished for him with you know for redfish down in in pensacola when he lived down there but he lives up in virginia now but we're going to meet on ken island on the on the uh chesapeake bay and with the motors um we're going to circumnavigate ken island at least that's the plan and we've we've looked at tides and wind and we're using those to our advantage to be able to cover um, at the minimum, at the bare minimum, it'll be 26.2 miles of trolling for striped bass. <laughs> wow. Now, now, and it'll be a long day, but it's, you know, to paddle that or pedal that, you have to be, um, you have to be Eric Harrison. You, you guys know who Eric Harrison is? He's he's a Hobie guy up in up in Boston, and and like he actually is a marathon runner. Um, so, <laughs> but he's awesome with that that Mirage Drive. But not everyone is that. And you know, Marty and I are going to have a you know thirteen or fourteen hour day on the water, uh, and we're going to cover. I don't know how much we're gonna, we're going to cover. Remains to be seen. I mean, we're going to you know when we find fish, we're going to. We're going to park on them for a little while, but we got to keep moving to to attain that goal. And uh, certainly, the Torquedo Ultralight allows us to uh, to cover a lot of water, and uh, it's it allows you to explore a lot further than you would normally. So, what size battery does it take to like for for that kind of trip? Yeah, it's about a twelve pound battery that's lithium and it is a 915 watt hour uh lithium battery you can burn you can exhaust that going full speed and with the 1103 the three horsepower i'm, I'm seeing speeds in my wilderness attack 140 of uh 7.1 7.2 miles per hour 
This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. If I did that, um, I'd only make it about six and a half miles. But I'm not going to go at full speed for for 53 minutes. I'm going to go slow burn, three mile an hour. And I think at three miles an hour, I have to look it up. I keep track of it with on my phone. I'll tell you what it is. Um, it'll just take me a second. But, but you know, I, I did this calculation to figure out, hey, can we actually pull this off? I looked at charts. Uh, I pulled down my my uh, northern Chesapeake chart and, and looked at the key and looked at looked at the maps and, and figured out, you know, all right, three quarters of an inch is a mile and and totally mapped it out and I said yeah we can we're not going to kill ourselves like stranding ourselves out in the middle of the bay doing this um but I'll give you a speed range and, and I'm I'm funny about I always on all my videos that I put up for Torquedo kayak fishing um I put speed and range in fact I got a, a video going up right now that is uh, is all of the speed and range of, of all the different boats I've tested with that three horsepower out electric outboard. All right, so the attack 140 um, at 7.1 miles per hour, I can go 5.8 miles. A good trolling speed for striped bass is between three and three and a half mile an hour. At three mile an hour, I can do 40.1 miles. Wow. Which wow. is way more than I would do. So we're going to we're going to have um, probably a trolling speed of, you know, three and a half mile an hour. So at four mile an hour, I can do 25.2 miles of range. So somewhere between three and four mile an hour, which is a great, there's a good trolling speed to get those big, you know, big stripers. And I got one earlier this spring. It was 46 inches. I got them on the way in. And these are the fish that are heading back out. Like they've spawned and they're they're post-spawn and you know, they're making their way out. They heading up towards uh, Eric Harrison, who I mentioned up in Boston. <laughs> um, so my point is that with this, you know, speed and range data that I've tested in, not in theoretical terms, but I test on a lake, uh, not on not on a river, not on tidal water days where it's super you know just there's no wind so you take away all of those influences that can skew your your data one way or the other so i get good clean data but in a real world situation 
the longest day that I've actually had with the 915 watt hour battery uh, was actually trolling for striper early season on the Susquehanna Flats. Um, and that day I covered 25.3 miles. So I'm looking to beat that. We have to beat that because because even if I draw the the, the crisp, you know, the, the straight lines from point to point to point and just do it, it's uh, 26.2. Um, we'll see. We're going to film it, see how it goes. And uh, I think next week I'm going to do the same thing, but at a slower speed, like a slower burn. Uh, and Jake Harshman and Juan Vroot and I are going to start off, but they're going to they're going to leave me at some point. And I'm going to I'm going to it's going to be a power fishing marathon with the, the ultralight um, throwing spinner baits and chatter baits and swim baits and just going at that you know, 0 0.8 to 1.1 mile per hour is a really good speed to just continually pound away um, with it, you know, constantly casting out in front of you, just working a shoreline. Um, I'm going to do it on a raised tap and I'm going to, you know, log it with the angler app log that keeps track of, of how far you go. And uh, yep. it'll, it'll be two days. Um, it'll be two days, two long days of, um, uh, just uh, pounding away and just seeing what I can get. Um, that one, because it's a slower uh, transit speed than, than trolling for striper. Trolling for striper, you you got to go 3 to 3.4 miles per hour or so um, for them to be interested. Uh, bass fishing, just continually casting out in front of yourself, you know, if you're going faster than like 1.2 miles per hour, you're missing stuff. So, um, but the tactic works. I know the kayak bass fishing national championship, uh, two years ago, Tim Perkins, who's one of our team torpedo anglers, he was, um, he was leading after day one doing that, you know, keeping the, the, uh, the ultralight on a low setting. And I think he was, he was fishing, he was walking the dog with a spook out in front of himself, and he covered it, you know, just a stupid number of miles. And uh, it's, he almost won that. I think Dwayne Taft won that event, but um, he, they actually filmed him um, with the fish that, that, when they look at it and they show the film, that was him fumbling about 30 grand. So, oh, <laughs> Missed one early in the the first day that would have called something that that would have pushed him over the edge, you know, to to win it outright. But Wayne Taff ended up doing, you know, winning that with a Z-Man jackhammer, and and uh, you know, it's interesting to to see all that. And 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 Dwayne, from what I know, he found a good productive spot that fish kept cycling through, and he and he and he parked on it. So two wildly different approaches uh in the in the top three and um it it kind of speaks to trying to figure out hey are they gonna are they going to um are the fish going to react to a a power fishing presentation or am i gonna have to to you know hunker down on a spot in finesse and and drag a jig or or if you know, throw a Ned rig or, or, you know, whatever, um, two totally different approaches. 
and both work in different situations. And I think people who are really good at this uh, know how to can do both and know how to turn one on, you know, or turn it off and change it, make that transition to, you know, hey, it's time to start fishing fast or, hey, it's time to stop fishing fast and slow. But raise down, I'm going to fish fast for two days, see what I get. And really, it's it's just a it's a marketing stunt. It's going to be a marketing video to say yes, you can you can cover fifty three point six miles with a Torquedo Ultralight eleven oh three and a nine hundred fifteen watt hour battery on a single charge. So um, yeah, it's really impressive. Yeah, it's uh, it's a fun tool for sure. Um, I think a lot of times people look at it and say, oh. I can just get a, you know, a Minn Kota trolling motor and, and, a, and a battery and a couple C-clamps and a two-by-four and do the same thing, and you cannot. It's uh, it's just different technology totally. Um, the, the the power that these, these motors have is, uh, I mean, no one's getting close to our speeds. So, uh, but beyond that, you also know your your range uh, because there's a GPS in the battery it it always tells you how much remaining range you have and I'll, I'll for sure use that um, tomorrow you know to, to say hey do I need to can I pick up the pace or, or do I need to slow down so but one of the things I wanted to talk about though is is the popularity of, of motors and kayak fishing and it's it's cool it's a fun thing and it and it really shows the evolution of the sport and you know people want that ability to explore further than they would if they're using a paddle or pedal drive or, or whatever um it, it's a good thing but i worry about people um who are new to the sport skimming over or, or skipping over the paddling skills because even if you're you're not using the paddle as primary propulsion, your paddle does so much more for you. Um, I'm going to give you a couple examples. Um, when I was down in Louisiana fishing with Dwayne Wally from Tourney X, and we were getting into some really nice um, shallow water redfish, and we got to areas that were just too skinny for the, you know, for the motors and we had to lift them up. So you still needed paddling skills for that. And by the paddling skill that I'm going to, I'm going to refer to uh, in that situation has to do with stealth approaches. It also has to do with efficiency, but when you, when your paddle blade comes forward and inserts into the water and it starts to come back immediately, you get a vortex of air and water on the backside of that that blade, and it's noisy, and it's inefficient. Whereas if you insert the blade like crisply and pause for a second, and then come back, you get a clean seal on the back of that blade. And throughout the throughout the paddle stroke, you um, you actually transfer more power because you're not dragging that mixture of air and water with you. You're also not spooking fish. So having good paddling skills makes you last longer paddling because your your energy transferred to the act to moving the boat forward is better, but also you're you're not spooking fish. Um, another one is the the draw stroke. I was on 
Lake Marburg um, two weeks ago, and I had the a crosswind, and we were, you know, skipping the uh, Z-Man zinkers up, you know, into the the flooded bushes, and the the wind kept blowing me out of you know where I could see. All right, I'm gonna skip it. There's my trajectory. It's gonna go in that little pocket and skip all the way to the base of that bush. Um, you know, so often I had to. Let me see if I can do it. You put it in like this, and you you draw it in. I know you didn't hear me for a second, but what I was showing was a draw stroke, and that draw stroke, instead of being, you know, the wind has pushed you from there to there, but you needed to be there to get your cast, you know, lined up. That draw stroke just pulls you sideways, and it and it lines up your cast. Um, you have to do the same thing in whitewater where if you're running a rapid and, and you're not quite lined up right, um, a series of sweep strokes may not get you there quick enough to really line it up. Um, so, you know, and embracing, uh, learning how to, you know, you take the paddle and you you put it with a flat blade out to the side and you you push down on it. If you're tipping over, the instinct to brace, to put that that flat blade out there and push down on it is, you know, is so important. Um, my uh, screen just. You freezing up on us, Jeff. <clears throat> but let's see. Oh, did we lose him? Yeah, it looks like we might have lost him. Um, but I, th I think paddling skills is like something that's really important though um you know even people that jump straight into like the pedaling and and uh motor up. Yeah. yeah i think we, we got, got him back we got you back i think cool. yeah, i gotta just log on here Whoop. yeah since I'm i here. had my pedal drive you know i i thought that i'd rarely ever use my paddle but i've noticed i still use it quite a bit um, I'm more of a shallow water fisherman myself, so, you know, I found myself, like, in shallow areas around trees trying to navigate around. Um, just recently, I found myself kind of get uh, in a rocky area. There's some big boulders, and I was, like, you know, 30, 40 feet off the bank, and Somehow I got stuck up on a rock, so I had to use my paddle to get myself off of it. And and so you, you definitely still got to have those skills with the paddle. Yeah. <clears throat> so I don't know too many folks that are still, well, I, I think it's very uh, fishery specific. I think of Matthew Van, who's teaching people how to do offshore trips down in uh, in Florida. Like he will teach you how to surf launch. He will teach you how to come back in. He will teach you how to, you know, use side imaging to, to find reefs and how to catch your own bait. I actually did a, uh, a it was eight or nine video series with him. Hey, Jeff, we're losing your audio. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go back to this. <laughs> if this. Yeah, that sounds better. Okay. I, I I think I just I bumped the uh, plug, and that's what shut me down. Nice. Um, talking about Matthew Van down in, in Pensacola, and he's he's still 
you know, he's someone who is a kayak fishing guide. It's we still we lost you again there. It's interesting your audio is cutting in and out a little bit. Okay. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Well, I'm going to keep talking and see see what okay. comes through. <laughs> yep. <laughs> There, there aren't that many people that are, you know, that I know of that are, I mean, there's a lot of kayak fishing guides, but not all of them teach, you know, teach the skills. They're, they're very focused on putting you on fish and, uh, yeah. and, and that's important and you learn a lot in, in catching fish, but, uh, the paddling skills part of it, you may have to just seek out a, uh, American Canoe Association paddling instructor for the type of water that you're fishing, you know. Um, I know they have a coastal kayak curriculum, uh, which is similar to, like, um, you know, what the touring kayaks use. Uh, you know, that skill set of navigation on flat water. Um, certainly there's white water classes, and, you know, I know Juan was working with the ACA at some point to, to have more kayak fishing based curriculum and i don't i think that kind of fizzled out um but uh, if you can find someone who's going to teach you some paddling skills you're you're going to be better off but uh the 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 quick and dirty dirty version if you will if, is that that first dvd and it's on the, the little stuff on youtube and it's river kayak fishing skills dvd if you type in that in the search river kayak fishing skills dvd you'll you'll uh you'll do well you'll learn a bunch of stuff that'll that'll you know get you get you to think in terms of of river safety and efficient paddling for sure so awesome um i know uh we had uh juan on he was actually the first guest when i joined this podcast and um you know, I was disappointed when he told me that he was taking a hiatus from teaching because I, I'm actually pretty close to him. Um, I live in York, PA, so um, not too far from you either, I don't think. But uh, I was like, oh, man, I wish I would have taken his class while he was teaching. And that's why when I asked you, I was like, oh, maybe he's teaching. But uh, but uh, I'm going to find somebody who's teaching and because uh, I think you're right. I think it's a valuable thing to learn. And I haven't been pedaling long either, but uh, I feel like I've lost my paddle, some of my paddling skills just from pedaling for a little bit. So I think it's the the pedal drives are great. And I I own a um, it's I actually have a um, I have a lot of different kayaks because I, I have to, you know, I have to know them all. To be able to say this is how you put the you know the torpedo on this boat or that boat but right. my hobie uh pro angler 14 and i have a uh 2009 hobie outback and and i love them i love you know the mirage drive is is a terrific uh you know great design on that but i people think i'm weird but i still keep a paddle in my lap on both of those boats and it's just such a part of what 
you know, how I've learned how to do this. Like you need it to brace. You need it to continue into shallow water. Uh, you need it for those quick little turns to get the bow of the boat into the into the wind. And uh, the the outback actually, if, I've paddled in in some class two rapids down on the New River, and it actually handles. Um, you know, you pull the Mirage Drive out, and and it paddles fairly well for you know a, a boat that you wouldn't think. Hey, there's a whitewater boat. You, you you just wouldn't think of it that way, but it actually does pretty well. So. That's actually what I paddle, and one of the, or pedal, and one of the things that um, I first noticed when I st- paddled it to try it was that I have no foot bracing. There's no place other than the pedals to brace your foot. Um, right. And I thought that was a little weird. Yeah. Um, you you can get uh, pedals put on there, and the way that I I did it in a weird sort of way recently with Jake Harshman on his. Um, his old town predator we put them on that that top rail um we put select design uh recreational style foot braces on now we did it so that he could he could have foot control steering of his his torquedo but you know it, it wouldn't be anything for you to put a pair of select design uh foot pegs up there slide them out of the way when you don't want them there for your um mirage drive but then when you do want them there uh, you can certainly dig in. Um, when I'm thinking about it, when I when I paddled on the New River, it was down there with Jody Queen last late summer, early fall. And you know, it it I'm trying to think how I braced my feet. I didn't have a problem. I think it's because my legs are so long. I'm six foot four, <laughs> so <laughs> I probably just jammed them forward. But okay. Uh, but yeah, you may look into like some select design foot pegs. Definitely, that's a good idea. So, and I, I, I was gonna start. Not uh, a torpedo is still a dream for me, but I was gonna start looking into, you know, what it would take to rig one of those up. So, uh. <laughs> if you do it, you're you're close enough um, to Trey Leach in Mount Airy, Maryland. It's Innovative Sportsman, and uh, he's he's rigged up a couple. He's he's uh, helped me with a kind of custom. Uh, uh, sliding foot peg type or not a sliding f- foot peg thing but uh it, it's a weird seesaw like um thing that that helps with foot control steering on that particular boat but he's uh he does some really good custom work on rigging rigging kayaks so i i, I remember seeing you uh mention his name so on a facebook or somewhere i, I don't yep. remember where but yep so i will definitely when the time comes be uh checking now or getting in contact with him. So, um, so as far as, um, so I guess if you were, uh, going to take a bunch of new, uh, kayak anglers out on the river, what do you think? Um, a, what would be the, like the first things you would want them to know? And, uh, B what, what, what do you think are the most common mistakes that you see beginners make? Well, if if someone's truly new, um, the, the best thing that somebody can do is to, when it's warm out, take all your fishing gear off, get into at least four feet of water, and flip the boat. Learn how to reboard. Learn how to get back in it in open water. But but know what it is. Know what it takes to, to flip the boat. And, you know, 
when you start leaning in one direction and you get you think whoa it's it's gonna go and then you then you pull back and you get a little closer each time a little closer and eventually you hit that point of no return and then it just goes um learning that that tipping point learning the the limits of your primary and secondary stability um when i did that in my class for each of my students, immediately they started paddling more aggressively, and they weren't afraid. You know, when you're when you're afraid of flipping over, because you haven't done it, um, you're you're more likely to flip than if if you've done it and you know, okay, I can lean this thing way over on its edge. And uh, so that's that's an important thing. Flip the boat. Um, you know, th there's a whole lot of information, though, to to, to throw at someone uh, in terms of, of you know, I, I will say this much. If you're running a rapid, uh, don't be afraid to, to um, you should scout it, um, and don't be afraid to portage it. Take your boat out around if you don't feel comfortable. You know, there's nothing wrong with, with dragging your boat around a rapid that you don't do not feel comfortable doing. Um, but if you're going to run it, run it hard and fast and, and if you can hit it perpendicular to the to the drop and as fast as you can one of the biggest mistakes that, that people who are new to it um do is they get into you know they get part way through a rapid and they're like i think i'm in the right position and then they stop paddling because their brain is processing do i want to go there or do i want to come over this way and it it doesn't usually your route matters a lot less than how fast you hit wherever you end up going speed is stability and if you're not if you stop paddling in order to try to make that decision that honestly you should have made when you were standing on a rock on the shore scouting it saying all right i'm gonna turn here and then cut right sweep stroke back left to get around that rock you know speed is uh you got to keep your speed up you know, these, these boats have a tremendous ability to self, um, to self-right, to, to stay upright uh, when, when you give them speed. So, and that's so counterintuitive, just like the rock broach thing I mentioned earlier, you know, uh, the, the intuitive thing to do is to lean away from it because you're afraid of the rock when what you really should do is lean into the rock and, and let the current slide under your boat, so... But, you know, none of these things you're going to you're going to learn without without doing. I mean, they, they can listen to me explain it on this podcast or on that DVD, but you have to get out and do it. And in uh, flipping the boat, you know, is and getting as close as you can or you, you know, getting close to where you think it's going to go and pulling away and then go a little further each time. That that's a that's a huge help. Uh, but then you also learn how to reboard, which uh, we do lose people. Um, people do die kayak fishing, and it's usually related to hypothermia. Um, it's usually, you know, cold. Or not weather. wearing your PFD. Yeah. Wearing your PFD. I mean, that, that, you know, can't be said enough. And, and I always, you know, I guess think it's a, it's a given. But um, the first time that I flipped, um, you know, was in March. And and I got good and cold and and uh, I've been badly hypothermic before um, where I just couldn't function right. Um, 
But usually what, what gets people, what actually kills people when they're kayak fishing is early season, late season, and the, the air may be warm, but the water's cold or vice versa, and they get wet, and they get in the water, and they can't, you know, they get cold enough, and they can't figure out how to get back into the kayak in open water. So certainly that is... a. a something that's on my mind tomorrow because we got a pretty strong uh, 12 to 14 mile an hour easterly wind that we're going to ride across eastern bay tomorrow morning um but i know i know both marty and i can reboard if we need to so and because we've done it when i uh when i first started i took a a class at my local uh, outfitter uh they offered one and that was one of the first things they covered was uh you know they had you flip your boat get back in and just do it repeatedly until it was something you could do and i i i agree i think that's definitely a great skill you should have and and especially if you're going to be out in uh times when you know you you might need to do it quickly so Gear wise, uh, one of the one of the things I would recommend for someone who's who's new to it, or even if they've been doing it a couple of years, um, get a dry bag and keep a set of of uh, a spare set of of dry clothes. Um, you know, I, I cover this in a, a video I did on on reboarding that I did with Juan last winter. Uh, we flipped in. 30 some degree water to to show hey here's the process um and part of it was going through the contents of a dry bag um and i had a fire starter you know fire starting kit with a zippo lighter because zippo lighters are pretty easy they don't require a whole lot of thumb dexterity like a bic lighter would um you know, I had cardboard and fire starting material and, uh, and, and more, more importantly, dry clothing. You know, when you get wet and you're hypothermic, um, you know, you gotta, you gotta be, um, you gotta get yourself dry. So the, a, a set of dry clothes, um, in a dry bag is, is an important thing. So. Definitely. Um, go ahead, Ryan, you have, have a question? No, I, w- I was just going to say uh, I keep a dry bag on my kayak with a bunch of ex- essentials in it with uh, my rain gear, a first aid kit, um, baby wipes in case, you know, Mother Nature hits. Um, yeah. But that, that that's one thing I do need to add to it is an extra set of clothes. I don't keep an extra set of clothes. So that, that that's something I need to add. Definitely, I need so, to do that too. <clears throat> Yeah, I've I've covered this before in other other videos. Uh, I think I did one a couple years ago on hypothermia prevention and mediation. Um, but again, I'm going to point people to the little stuff. I have a playlist called uh, kayak fishing skills, and there's a lot of that type of topic covered in that in that playlist um, it, on that channel. Um, other playlist i have i do have a torpedo playlist which is a whole lot of installs i have a tackle crafting playlist which is a lot of me making pouring my own jig heads and injecting soft plastics with do it molds um i have a a really extensive small mouth uh playlist i got a large mouth one i got a striped bass one i got a snakehead playlist i have um the offshore 
one, the offshore kayak fishing skills with Matthew Van on there. Um, I do have a kayak rigging uh, playlist, so there's there's a, lot, a little bit of everything in there. Uh, but one of them is kayak fishing skills. So keep that in mind for for something that's um, you know someone can look through there and find you know good information to to help them uh, learn some stuff. So. Awesome. Um, let's see. Uh, how about angling wise? If 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 you were, uh, what do you think would be some of the basic things you would think uh, a beginning angler uh, in that situation, a kayak angler, like some of the things you see them doing wrong, uh, whether they're not targeting the right place, they're not researching enough or or that kind of thing i know uh one of the things i thought i remembered seeing in your videos is a you kept a log book now angler kind of does that angler is one of our show sponsors too um yeah i'm gonna grab an old one hold on okay <clears throat> so for every fishery, there's a, a very, um, there's a dominant um, thing to watch, um, a dominant piece of data. Like angler will capture the barometer and wind speed and temperature and all this other stuff. But on rivers, and this is a really old composition notebook with, with, um, where I fished in different, each one of these tabs is different, um, different rivers or different watersheds. And these are just different trips that I've done. Uh, this one looks like the main stem Shenandoah. And what I wrote is the Millville gauge went from 4.9 to 4.75 feet and was decreasing. I have a little down arrow. And then I wrote whatever I caught and what the temp, what the water temperature was. But for rivers, it's stream flow. And I kept tra track of stream flow um, for a number of years until it was just in here. So this is just a relic to me. I don't consult this anymore. But I've done so many river trips that I know if, if someone says, hey, let's go down to the North Anna, and I, I say, well, what's the gauge and how much rain did we have above Lake Anna? And are they going to open up floodgates at the dam? And are we going to be able to float, do that float trip, you know, uh, that fall on float trip, um, which is an amazing float trip on small water? Or will it be a eight and a half mile shin bashing death march because <laughs> there's not enough water in that river? Um, so you learn that kind of stuff for for um for what i'm doing tomorrow um i'm going out on the bay it's it's wind speed man it's it, and what we're doing is a little sporty tomorrow like we're we're pushing the envelope a little bit but we'll have that that easily wind at our back at the the time where it's it's the strongest um but also tide you know you know your tides and you know you know those points that produce on an outgoing tide or on an incoming tide um, but yes, certainly keeping track of, of stream flow or tides or, or, and keep track of what you, what you caught. And the angler app is so cool at doing that because you can just, 
click a button and then you go back and you say, hey, a year ago, I was on Marburg and I got a, you know, 84.3, you know, five inch total on five fish by what was I doing? And I, and I look down at it and you can say, yep, I was skipping zinkers into those flooded bushes or whatever. Um, but yeah, keeping track, keeping a log may seem tedious, but it pays dividends a year later when you look back and you don't have to get through half a day of fishing before you remember, oh yeah, uh, skipping zinkers into bushes at the backs of the cove, you know, uh, you, you, you go right to it. So, and, and I really think that, you know, the, the idea of, I think the act of keeping a log just puts it harder into your brain. So you, you retain those lessons learned. So eventually, like you said, you just know, uh, based on how things are changing, uh, you, you've experienced it enough times that you know what you, where to look for or what you need to do or where to go. But there is a process in 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 terms of angling skills. The the most important angling skill, and I, and I talked about you know forage assessment and and stealth approaches and you know a, a lot of angling specific skills, maintaining boat position uh, that I taught in my class. But the most important one that I taught was um, was pattern development, um, basically making the process is first you make observations and then you find common denominators what you're making observations about first is the location so you've just caught a fish go to that spot where that fish bit and make observations about that spot where that fish was when he decided to eat how deep is the water how fast is the current is what kind of cover or structure is there take your paddle and shove it down on the bottom so you know the depth, but you can feel the paddle blade crunch into it. Is it a sandy bottom, a mucky bottom, a gravel, or is it chunk rock? You know, all of that kind of factors in, you know, when, when you, you know, you just make raw observations. Don't make any inferences yet. Then you make observations about the presentation. So you've made the location observations then you make presentation observations uh, how fast was i moving the lure uh say it was a jerk bait how long was the pause when i did rip rip pause rip rip pause or was it rip rip pause how long was it 15 seconds was it 20 seconds were you were you setting it out there like it was bait and it was out there for two minutes and that's when i slammed it that's that's the more common one for me. That's how I catch river smallmouth in the winter, more often than not. My point is, you know, you make observations about the presentation, and then you go and you catch a second fish. And say, um, you know, say you've caught them on jerk baits on the on the current seam, and you're you're still ripping it pretty quick with with pauses that are, you know, under two seconds. Like you keep it moving. Um, you know, when you catch a second fish and it was on the same jerk bait, but it was deep into the eddy and and it was the same speed, you know that your common denominators are fast moving jerk bait. Didn't really matter as much what the current was, but then you check the depth, the depth is the same. You know, you find common denominators and where you find common denominators, 
in location or presentation, that's your pattern set. And that is what you what you hold on to and say, I'm gonna look downstream and find three feet of water and uh, you know, over a rocky bottom, and I'm gonna rip that jerk bait fast. You know, you find more examples. And that, now that one was really simple cut and dry and, it, and it's really more complicated than that but you know you you find other examples of of and and maybe you know maybe your bait isn't it and you can you can throw a swim bait and do the same thing and cover more water or or maybe you know anything fast stopped working and and as soon as you you know if you had a backlash and in in your jerk bait sat out there for a minute and while you're picking out the backlash, that's when it slammed it. And then it said, oh, all right, I got to slow down. I got to dead stick something to get bit. Um, but the pattern development in, in making those observations about each catch, finding denominator, common denominators, and then going out and applying those to find the next place like that, that you can, you can make that presentation in that type of location. So pattern development and it's you know covered in that that uh that first river kayak fishing skills dvd i think i i cover it with spinnerbait fishing in fast water uh, awesome i think that's definitely good and i i i have seen that video um and it's i i can't begin to say how much great information is and in it i mean it's just it's it's it is long it's a it's an hour and 20 like i think like you said i think but it's I mean, it is just jam full of information that, you know, so definitely uh, our listeners should go check that out because uh, it's tons of great information. So, um, Ryan, did you have anything you wanted to cover else? Uh, I mean, we were hitting an hour, so that's about what we were shooting for. But um, Jeff, do you have any other things you want to plug or uh, sponsors? Uh, anything you want to shout out social media wise? Um. <clears throat> not really just just take a paddling class if you can that'll that'll keep you you know keep you, you safe and um definitely get your your dry bag going and and uh, you know be safe out there that's it awesome yeah um appreciate you coming on and talking this is a lot of good info especially for somebody that's just getting into kayak fishing and learning to paddle and all that um were you wanting to shout out like sponsors and stuff or yeah i i can obviously torquedo i wouldn't be um you know it's it was a uh three years ago it was a big career change from healthcare food service to to doing what i do now and and uh, a job in sales and i'd never done anything in sales um but they had the faith in me and, and understood that here's someone who's passionate about this sport and we want them on our team. Um, so, you know, Steve Turkla, who's who's president of, Tor of Torquedo in the U.S., you know, saw to it that, yep, we want him on our team. So that was a huge deal to be able to to make the transition to having a full time job in in the fishing industry was was very cool. Um, St. Croix rods have been with for a very long time uh, and they, you know, are really, it, it, they're just the best ones, you know, and I've, I've built on their blanks before and uh, they're moderate action rods. They're really good for anything with a treble hook. 
Um, tomorrow I'll be trolling with um, some of their old Magnum crankers that are that are heavy power. They're moderate action. They just keep fish hooked real well. Um, Yak Attack is always, you know, taking care of me. Um, I, I use a lot of their gear in all the install videos I do. The Torquedo um, install videos showing you how to put it on different, you know, this boat or that boat. Um, a lot of those videos are on Torquedo kayak fishing on Facebook. So definitely check out that Facebook page. Um, Z-Man uh, is, is another one of my sponsors and, uh, and NRS. Uh, I will be wearing um, my NRS bibs tomorrow because it's we're going to get soaked. We are going to get totally soaked, even though it's not <laughs> we're going to be, you know, but it'll keep me dry. And uh, that's that's very important. Thank you guys for having me on. And uh, if anybody, any of the listeners have uh, paddling related questions, um, please, please find me on social media. And, uh, you know, you can also shoot me an email. The um, my email address is jeff.little at torquedo.com, uh, which is spelled without the U T O R Q E E D O.com. And I'd be happy to answer answer questions uh, or find me through Messenger. Happy to help folks. Right on. Yeah, appreciate you uh, coming on here again. Uh, you, you you want me to do the outro? You you, you want to do it? Go ahead. Give it a try. <laughs> I don't think I've done it before. All right. All right, guys. It's been Bass Fishing for Noobs. We're bringing you the tips and tricks to help you rip more lips. There you go. Later, guys. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle in Finn. Don't forget to go check out our website at paddle, the letter N, and fin.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Finn. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N, and fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Finn on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler, the Angler Button, and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in Northern Illinois, for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. TRC Covers, protect your investment. Catch Products, shout out to Catch Products. Go to catchproducts.com and put the Paddle and Fin logo directly on your catch board. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com, use promo code PNF20, and save 20% on all your jig and tackle needs. to go like just full-blown redneck on these fish this is like high-tech cane pole fishing right here from the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters enjoy the best fishing panama city beach has to offer during chasing the sun sundays at 9 30 a.m eastern on waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment i'm will cooper host of hunt stands make your mark podcast for even more content, be sure to watch the original films from HuntStand Presents on the Waypoint TV channel every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Visit waypointtv.com to learn more.